Good morning, good afternoon. Hello, everyone. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to episode three of the Drabble Grind podcast. My name is James. I'm joined by Steve and the third amigo. I regret saying that already. Jack uh, has joined us. So there's three of us today and we'll be having a little chinwad, to be honest. So, um, Jack, say hello to say hello to our audience. Hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here, Jack. Um, what's your name? Where'd you come from? We know your name's Jack, obviously, but um, how do we know each other and what do you do during the day? Um, so I'm from Pembrokeshire. Um, how I know you guys? So I've worked with Stephen inside a well-known UK bike shop. What does it rhyme with? How? Beep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Flying start. Flying uh, start. So I've, uh, yeah, I used to work with Steve for, goodness me, eight years. Best um, years of his life. Best years of my life. Used to get bullied on a daily basis by Steve. Um, and I've worked, I've worked there for coming up to 10 years in eight days. Um, so yeah, so that's my, that's my daily at the moment is I, uh, I'm in charge of the, the bike department itself. Um, don't yeah, give away so too much, Jack. Say again. Don't give away too much. Sorry, uh, I've I've kind of seen the bike market change massively. If I'm honest with you, uh, so when I first started to to what it is now, so yeah, I've kind of got like that first hand experience of how it has differed throughout the years, and as the gravel grinds states, it's kind of the gravel bit has definitely blown up in the past probably six to 12 months i'd imagine uh, a decade first of all a decade i did not know that yeah tell me about it that is that is a shift and just for clarity how old are you now uh 26 so literally this yeah. must have been is has this been your first and only job i worked at a i worked at the golden arches um when i was 16 and then went, yeah, basically came straight to, straight to the new place. Oh, goodness. And what, um, what has been the, what was cycling like when you and we were 16, to be honest, like you're 26, I'm, I'm 29, Steve, 27, 28, 27, bit, bit of a variety. What was cycling like when you were 16? Were you always a cyclist from that age or has it been a later thing? Uh, mine's been a later thing, yeah. I, when I when I first started in um, in the place, I didn't uh, I didn't cycle at all. I, I was kind of introduced to cycling by everybody at work, in all fairness. Um, mm. I think Steve, in all fairness, he, he came from a cycling background, I'd imagine, from the stories that he's told me. Um, but my cycling definitely blossomed I'd say three or four years into my uh, into my career, absolutely. So, sort of nineteen and twenty, and how is it? What you know? What's the broad strokes of the past six or seven years then, in terms of cycling from a mainstream retail perspective? Oh goodness me! We got well Tour de France just increased road sales massively, I so everybody that. everybody wanted a road bike. Like you couldn't get hold of a road bike. Um, and then mountain bikes have always been a thing. So in terms of a family leisure orientated cycle, um, but yeah, and then I would say could even be up to, yeah, maybe 12, 18 months ago. Now the, um, the adventure side of it started to come about 
um, the whole cycle cross movement that probably happened about two, two and a half years ago. Um, and then that kind of led back onto then into the adventure slash grind of gravel. Um, yeah. So, and then last year, then the pandemic hit and you couldn't get a bike. That was it. As probably everybody's trying to figure out at the moment is, you know, I think you, James, were looking at a ribble and the weight was ridiculous on it anyway. Oh, it's it's still the case, isn't it? Steve, you were saying you remember that that Tour de France time. I have not got a clue. Uh, what, what sort of time frame are we talking about? That... <sighs> I'd say that would have been about eight years ago, Jack. That yeah, was quite a while 20... ago. I remember a very specific career TDF promotion we had. Yeah, it was had like... a light up, um, like a distance measurement. Um, it's quite well done, to be fair. It's quite impressed with it. And I know, I know, like we you know, flip it. We we are throwing our minds back twelve, no, eight years. Sorry. Um, why? Because I'm not a big Tour de France guy. I don't follow a lot of cycling, but. The Tour de France seems to, you know, it's it's a, it's the most famous cycling race ever. Why was that year the Tour de France year that ignited demand? It's a good question, and I couldn't give you an answer for that, but it I, did seem to be a distinct. Yeah, I think if I'm honest with you, it was kind of is when Team Sky really hit their prime. So you has Bradley Wiggins, Chris Froome, uh, G, Garrett Thomas, um, yeah, Cavendish. So that there was there was like clear winners, um, and then you had uh, twenty twelve Olympics kind of at the same time. So, yeah, with those two coinciding events, that's when it kind of just hit massively. So that massive cycling boom, and it wasn't just in the workplace; it was everywhere. Everybody was out on a bike because they wanted to be like these people they saw on telly. And and, I mean. <laughs> Don't don't at me on Twitter for for what I'm about to ask. All of those people that you've just named, Mark Cavendish, Garrett Thomas, and all that, British people, aren't they? Oh, so the absolutely. team Sky was a British team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense to be honest. If if that's what it was, and you know, road cycling to me has sort of stayed significantly high in terms of the types of but you know you, you you see them everywhere on on the saturdays and sundays of the of the group rides i like you i bought my actually no i bought my what am i saying i bought my first gravel bike about 12 no uh, about four weeks ago to be honest so i am super new into the gravel side of things before that i've dabbled loosely with trying to do some triathlon stuff or certainly triathlon training so all of my knowledge on cycling starts 18 months ago. If it's prior to that, I, I almost just don't know that it happened, to be honest. Yeah. I think another thing to mention there as well, uh, one thing I noticed when I first started uh, at said bike shop, I'd probably say 80% of the bikes we sold were mountain bikes. Just They were just used for everything. They were a do-it-all bike. But as time went on, people did shift towards hybrids, which in turn then moved people onto road and then looking at road bikes. Um, so I think that was quite a natural progression as well. Would you agree, Jack, that it was... Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was mainly mountain bikes yeah. when we uh, first started anyway. Even now, in all fairness, as, as the years have gone by, there is, there's a clear people come in for a mountain bike. That's the, that's the bike they've had when they've been growing up is a mountain bike. So yeah. they'll continue to get that, that in their head until kind of work into their mind of 
what actually are you going to be cycling? Well, I'll be cycling 80% on the roads. Well, do you really want a mountain bike? Yeah. So, and that's obviously that's when the high the, the hybrid bit has come in then. Um, but no, it's 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 massively changed. They this when it, when it started with the with the road and it went into the cyclocross, um, and then if you remember Steve, remember the the Borman with the like the butterfly shifters on them, yeah, yeah, the butterfly levers. So like that was like the first bit of cyclocross, kind of kind of gravelly. Um, and CX then, comp, I believe that was. Yeah, yeah, and then we got into the the adventure bikes then, which have really only been out for a couple of years, but they've definitely they've definitely hit off absolutely. They're a great range, and they're really competitively priced for the spec. Oh yes, really impressed yeah. what they're coming out with lately. Boardman, that is for those that don't know. <laughs> not a like, there's, a, there's a plug hashtag right there. not sponsored no. uh, <laughs> do, do me a favor though define for me the the cyclocross movement because i've got to be honest i you know i i've seen cyclocross bikes on on wiggle or or you know balfords or, or whatever's for sale and i've just strolled straight past it to be honest because i i like an absolute shill i'm looking for gravel bike you know in in the description to be honest but they look quite similar ish T- tell me how wrong i am and like what what's going on with the cyclocross then what what was that and what sort of sport is it because i've never so, seen any of it it's very similar to be fair um so cyclocross was around before the term gravel bike was kind of conned let's say everyone knows it's kind of a marketing technique but basically within true cyclocross cycling or racing if you like there are rules which would put a gravel bike out of the picture um so there's a tire width limit which is about 35 mil i think so about 35 c um and i believe there's a handlebar width limit as well there's a couple of other rules and regulations but that's the distinct difference between a cyclocross bike and a gravel bike the frames themselves are fairly similar um yeah there's there's not too much else to say really about them in terms and of differences yeah t- tell me if i tell me how wrong i am here but of the of the accidental clicks that i've done onto youtube and things like that cyclocross racing it is it always the case that it seems to involve some sort of fairly acute uphill fairly acute downhill and then some sort of like you know really challenging flat terrain or something like that yeah it's very mixed terrain definitely and the fact that you have to jump off the bike and carry it over certain obstacles that's probably the most distinguishable factor of cyclocross racing or the differentiator differentiator let's say yeah and that has now transitioned into what we are the 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 crest of the wave that we are riding which is the gravel movement yep exactly that and the only thing i mean i don't even know if this is true this to be the most fake news thing ever and jack tell me if this has ever come up in any of the uh the the balford sort of sales material can we get a button and which says fake news <laughs> we can uh we can edit in a a donald trump uh little little soundbite at that at that point fake news warning but surely um, what what really struck me about gravel bikes and gravel riding is I think there is a significant background from America in the sense that if you want to cycle coast to coast, it's farther than you want to go on a cross-country mountain bike, 
but there's a lot of i mean without saying the obvious a lot of gravel roads that a road bike can't do depending on your route obviously and that real long distance you know all terrain so long as it's not you know some some body marsh bike that will get you from one side of america to the other and that's sort of where some of the gravel bikes came from certainly out of obviously the the american market that's my understanding of it and i quite like that as an idea to be honest to know that if you want to do a hundred kilometers a thousand kilometers over two bloody weeks at this point um a gravel bike is probably what you, what you want to do it on hey yeah exactly that. absolutely yeah no, definitely i think going on to the fact of go from coast to coast Who's your friend Steve that did the tour of Britain like round around the coast? Because I think that was kind of the first. That was like before gravel bikes was a thing. That was like an adventure bike. Yeah, anything else? Yeah, I completely agree. So that was Andrew Matthias, who I've known for a few years now. Uh, previously through cars, if anything. Um, but no, I agree. That was the first time we'd seen um, essentially a road touring bike, which had a wider tire on it probably something like a 35 to 40, which was essentially a gravel bike because it had the wider fork stays, wider seat and chain stays to accommodate that bigger tyre. Um, but you're probably right there, Jack. That probably is one of the first gravel bikes that we'd seen without realising, mm. or at least a gravel bike as we know it today. Um, that was a really sorted bike as well. Titanium. That was um, nice. Chris, Chris King throughout. Um, Ultegra, I believe. Uh, Dynamo Hub on the front. Really, really nice bike, that. Um, I can't remember who the frame was made by, um, but it was made to order with his own uh, measurements, etc. And I remember looking at the dropouts and thinking it was a really, really nicely built bike. Mega impressed. Um, the other addition he had on that were carbon mudguards. Those were a really nice touch, along with the Envy fork. Yeah, I, I can I can picture it now. Really nice bike. And what what sort of time frame are we talking about? Uh, to do the trip. Yeah, where where when did you see the bike? Ooh. I'm just looking now. 2018. Was oh, it? Oh, I thought it was longer ago than that. I didn't know if we were going to say 2000. You know, five, eight, ten years ago. No, fine, two or three years ago then. Uh, Christ, it feels yeah. longer than that. Could be could be 2017 possibly. Yeah. To be fair, there'd be yeah. a year between start and finish. Or close yeah. to. Well, yeah. yeah. It, it it really does show the, you know, the this whole gravel move. I mean, I keep calling it a movement. You know, I'm, I need to apologize for that, to be honest. But this whole sort of gravel uh, side of the cycling hobby, it it is brand new. You know, it's absolutely brand new. I think that's really interesting to be here at the start of something and seeing it progress and I'll be really interested to see whether or not the progression on the on the gravel bikes that, that we see on the market now, are they going to continue to be like quite incremental changes? And personally, that's what I think is happening. Sort of Ribble have just released their new uh, 2021 version of the bikes. Yeah, they're lovely. Just <laughs> they jump in so there. Nice. They're really nice. Yeah. I think another thing to mention there as well, like I said, with the movement of gravel riding, I think one of the biggest influences there or the main reasons that pushed it on so quickly was the introduction of disc brakes to road bikes because that's still new. That's yeah. five years old, really. Yeah. Um, and for a and gravel bike to be a gravel bike, in my opinion, now, or at least in, if you were to buy a gravel bike in modern days, like now, it would have to have a disc brake on it. 
Stronadry is the answer because I bought my road bike in 2018. I bought my giant Propel Advance and in that giant store, you the some of the top, top, top spec bikes had the disc brakes. Yeah. But the vast majority were rim brake. And I wouldn't even, cons- you know, at the time, being immensely naive, I just assumed, oh, you know, rim brake then. As, as in it was an absolute given. I remember thinking there was a lot of sales material. There was a lot of advice in terms of, look, you know, disc brakes are significantly better at stopping, but, you know, there's a weight penalty and and all sorts of things. Most cyclists get away with rim brakes absolutely fine. And still on the Tour de France at that year, interestingly, because I I was sort of trying to start my research and see if I did like cycling. So I remember watching a a few of the races, vast majority rim brake at that point. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's it is disc brake hardly the norm, but the popularity of disc brakes at the moment is is, is seriously on the up, isn't it? Yeah, I, I'd never consider buying a road gravel mountain bike without a disc brake anymore. Wouldn't even consider it. No. I mean, no. the other big push there was UCI finally approving disc brakes. I believe that was around 2018. So from then onwards everyone that was into cycling wanted a disc on their bike, basically. But like even the Tour de France now, there'll be some races where they probably won't use a disc brake. So on like climbing stages where you're not going to use your discs, well, you're not going to use your brakes, sorry, very much. You probably don't want that extra weight of a disc brake. But on, say, like a downhill uh, stage or section, you may want it. So I'd imagine they have different bikes for different stages. On Jack, have you ever had a road bike that has had rim or di- well on your road bike or bikes that you've owned? Have you had rim or discs? Not gravel bikes, but road bikes. Uh, yeah, so uh, road bikes now. Yeah, so my Pro Carbon, Bourbon Pro Carbon, that had disc on. Uh, that was literally one of the first disced road bikes that Bourbon did. Um, mm. I think that was like fifteen hundred quid, one hundred five on that as well. Um, really, really nice bike, and then I fancied something a little bit different, so I went for an for an Aeroad Giant, um, and that had didn't have discs discs on it, and that it was it was well, it was horrendous going down a hill. Let's put it that way. Um, no one at the bottom of the hill that you're not possibly going to stop for the corner because you're so used to having a disc brake mm-hmm. uh, was obviously pretty concerning. It does give that... you that confidence, definitely. Yeah, it was. Um, but, you know, at that point, everybody in work, everybody had block brakes. Nobody had disc brakes. I was the only person who had the disc brake on the bike. So, like, Steve, he had, you had your team carbon. Obviously, that was on the block. Christ, um, I had carbon wheels on that as well. And, oh, carbon wheels, yeah. And so, they were wet. They were, <laughs> they were dreadful um, in the wet. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I think it just allows you to have that sense of security of you're not going to miss a turn in or if you're hurting down the hill, especially in Pembrokeshire, the, the hills we've got here you're not going to get to the bottom of it and think to yourself, I'm going to end up in the back of this bus. Um, you've, you've got that stop gap, really. Um, I don't know. Well, I don't understand why people wouldn't have a, a disc brake in all fairness. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you three, three things, hopefully, in quick succession. But obviously, in Pembrokeshire, we have two world-class cycling-related events. Number one being Long Horse Weekend, which is an Ironman over three days. The other one being the Welsh Ironman, 
which is in Tembi. Uh, the the but although both events are separate, they are effectively the same courses. And the Pembrokeshire Ironman is, honest to God, world world class level for challenging difficulty of 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 technical. I would argue it's quite a technical route. The the course profile of the of the bike looks like a looks like a seismograph. Looks like one of those sort of machines that is you know taking a <laughs> taking you know taking the, the the earth tremors. It's just up and down, up and down. And I've done um just on a just on a weekend day i did one lap of the long course route it, it's usually two laps to get to the 112 i did one lap and i did that on my uh, giant propeller did it on my road bike and it's got obviously rim brakes and at no point did i feel unsafe but at every point i felt that it could have been better <laughs> you know i kept it on that side of this is fine and I'm being safe and responsible. And I'm not saying I'd have been able to go any faster if I had rim, rim, a uh, disc break, sorry, because, because of it. But certainly when I was getting a little bit tired, a little bit brain slow, I was thinking, well, it would be nice to have that leeway of if I forgot to break almost by half a second, you know, there, there's a bit more of a buffer zone to, to sort of survive the corner. Hopefully not, not literally, but there are stories every single year of people on the long tours weekend on the Ironman bike sections missing bends, missing bends, uh, and just going forty kilometers an hour into the into the head straight ahead of them, or or unfortunately, you know, harder things at, at times. To be honest, so bring on the rim brake. To be honest, no, bring on the disc brake. I'm sorry <laughs> for mincing my words. Then bring on the disc brake. As far as I'm concerned, I think my next road bike. I would be, it would be have to, have to be a hell of a deal to not be a rim break. That's all that, that's, that's sort of the, the long and the short of it as it stands. Yeah. It's yeah. certainly a compromise now. Yeah, absolutely. Just, yeah. Don't be a Luddite really, isn't it? Just get a break. <laughs> Obviously, it, I, I can see that the counter argument to that is, well, if you live somewhere fast and flat, you know, maybe you don't need it. And I get that here in Newport, South Wales, you know, hundred miles away from you guys. I mean, I, there's, there is an easy 30 mile TT route by me that is flat as a pancake. And, you know, it makes me want to win the lottery and, and, and buy and build a, a time trial bike for that. But unless I'm doing that 30 mile loop, I've got hills, yeah. I've got hills for days. No, it is very situational. Definitely. Definitely. But uh, yeah, in, in terms of just your average road bike or in, in this case, gravel bikes, definitely. It's just but, no no question about it, really. And in terms of actual bikes, Jack, did we ask you what, what gravel bike are you, have you, have you got? What's your, what's your proud, um, proud item in the garage at the moment? So I have the Borman 8.9 ADV. <laughs> um, so that's my, it was, if I'm honest with you, it's my bike to get me into gravel cycling um so like i say i had the pro carbon for four or five years um can't say i racked up a huge amount of miles on it but i did enough um, pro carbon just to spell it out for me more than anything pro carbon aka road bike road bike yeah, yeah. so i had that for four or five years um did a few events on it um and then 
thought that everybody was going to go onto this old gravel scene and then went for the natural, which was the ADV 8.9 from Boardman, um, just to see if I could get into it. And if I'm honest, I'm pretty hooked. I love it. It's um, it we both myself and Steve went out one of our first rides together to uh, to Canston Woods, and we both said that it was it's a different type of cycling. It's more of like a social type of cycling. You yeah. can kind of whilst you're cycling, you don't you can you can have a conversation with each other. You can bash around a circuit and then take photos of your bikes going through puddles, um, and it don't not skate. be not be against your Strava. I think when when everyone goes out on their road cycles, road cycles, road bikes, um, I think it's very much Strava segments kind of become superior rather than having a good time. Um, but I think gravel biking or adventure yep. cycling is more of a, a social downtime, um, you know, cycle really than anything else. Yeah, I completely agree. So with the road cycling, I think, I mean, you'll probably agree, Jack, yourself, one of the main things you do is obviously keep an eye on your average speed. So if you go out, you gauge how good it was based on your average speed for, say, that said distance. But gravel cycling is more about enjoying the cycle itself. It's more sociable. Um, I was watching uh, Lachlan Morton recently on YouTube, and one thing he said at the start of one of the videos was people, not performance. I think that really stood out. And that was obviously within context of gravel cycling um, and ultra-endurance, I think, as well. But um, it was interesting and, to hear hear it from him, who is such a strong cyclist. And I think, especially with the variables involved in a, any one gravel route are so immense. I appreciate when, when we're doing a road cycle, yeah, it, it could, could have rained, could be wet, could be, could be a bit windy. But, you know, the tarmac is always going to be tarmac. Whereas I went up to Channison Woods this past weekend, not with you guys, to be honest, but on a beautiful, dry, I mean, I almost said summer's day, not a summer's day, is it? It, it, was, a, it was a spring day or, or whatever you want to call it. And the conditions were perfect. And yeah, I, I, could, I could hammer some sections. But, you know, that same section the day after, after it hooned it down with, you know, a month's worth of rain, well... You know, there there's no comparing the two days. There's no way that you know what was a little stream. You know, when I went there, wasn't wasn't you know almost a, a a river to hop across. To be honest, so I can absolutely see how like the Strava segment times, you know, what whatever, just just go out and have a blast. Just go out and do something is is the important thing on that one. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think like like you're saying about how it's very different each day you go. So. You know, if we take Caniston for for example, you know, you go there on a dry day, and you can hoon it round, and you, you know, you can get a quick time, or you don't get soggy feet. And the next day you go, and it's you know, it's raining really hard, and it's a completely different cycle experience. But I think if you're going to do the same thing, cycling up and down the Preselis, for instance. So when we got us three cycles, goodness me, it was about what three years ago, three four years ago. Uh, yeah, 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 Possibly. yeah. I, I, I know what you're saying. So we cycled up that on a stupidly hot day. And, um, but if we cycled that up in the rain, it would still be pretty horrendous as well. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the road is always going to be there. Whereas roads I, and road, uh, yeah. It, it's, it's very, di- like, 
I, I would say, for example, um, this week, so uh, sorry, last weekend, I, I thought to myself, oh, I've got some some Easter cards to give to my parents. So I thought I'll I'll cycle from my house um, to my parents' house, which is literally seven miles away. It's not a huge distance, but it's on road. Um, so I went out with um, a slightly flatter tire than I thought I needed. Um, and it was hell, literally hell, because I just wasn't used to cycling on the road for that sort of distance mm. um, without using my road bike. But then speaking to other people that have gone from riding their gravel bike and then going onto a road, they can honestly feel and see the difference in in, in that change. Well, see, and and the, this is the this is my little worry bead at the moment is. For the past six months, my giant propel has been strapped into Zwift. I haven't ridden that bike, you know, in it. It could honestly be uh, since September, to be honest. It, it it's really had a winter off, and I'm in a mindset at the moment where my gravel bike is the fastest bike on earth. Whether or not I'm on road or whether or not I'm on uh, gravel, I haven't done any group rides in in as long you know for obvious reasons so i've got no baseline and you know in about a month's time i'm gonna unhook unhook that propel off off the machine and you know take it out for its maiden voyage of, of 2021 and you know am i gonna feel like i'm gonna break that thing in half because it's made out of carbon am i gonna feel like i am speed you know just you know break the sound barrier or, or is it anywhere anywhere in between and the fact that I'm going to be pumping up those tires to what, like ninety, a hundred psi, considering that they're they're, um, they're tubeless, it it's those little small differences that that can really, well, we'll see when I go out on it, but will really possibly make a difference in terms of the the quality of the ride. Yeah, I think that's a very fair point there. I mean, I I didn't see a huge difference going from a road bike to a gravel bike, but. I'd spent well, it'd been about two years since I, in between, to be fair. Mm. But I think if I went from riding my gravel bike straight onto a road bike, I'd notice the difference. But even then, I don't think it's as vast as people think. Oh no, and and you see it all the time on on GCN or or, or GTN, the triathlon. You know, they're, they're, the difference between a five thousand pound bike and a one thousand pound bike and a and a five hundred pound bike. You know, it, it's measured in seconds, minutes at worst, over over a hundred and twelve miles. You know, so if you're only doing a two hour little poodle around, you know, hardly notice. You, you know, it's not night or day, is it? No. I will say interestingly and and this is probably very self-evident i feel the reason that i feel that the gravel bike my ribble gcr is you know the fastest bike on earth not really but you know i feel fast on it is because my only measuring stick for that bike is i've got a specialized hardtail mountain bike that is a hardtail mountain bike it's designed for you know hardtail mountain biking and that thing on tarmac and curb, <laughs> it feels like I'm driving a tank. It feels like, you know, a lawnmower is, is is pushing me along, to be honest, you know, just in terms of weight, in terms of bulkiness of it. Because it's got to be, hasn't it? Yeah, you're, yeah. you're the complete opposite end of the scale there, to be fair. So you would notice it. Big difference. I mean, one, but, of, the, one of the nice yeah. things about travel cycling is not having to worry about those marginal gains like we said it's not about performance it's about enjoying it 
um, the dynamic terrain, as we mentioned, enjoying that. It's just there's just a lot more interesting. I didn't mind road cycling, but gravel cycling, um, it's that nice mix, especially coming from a mountain bike background, let's say. It's just that good mesh of the two. And for me, crucially, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try and set you know sell you on the idea that Newport is you know the 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 metropolis of south wales but it's, it's pretty good though you yeah, oh no it looks very nice. it's, it's point, a beautiful place Dom. it's worth mentioning on that point like you've got a lot of opportunities there for different genres of cycling like uh, you're it's, it's an wild, hour yeah. from bike park wales probably not even that which is downhill mountain biking you've got brecon for other stuff you've got flat canal routes you could probably do a nice tt route you've got the velodrome Mate, I live. I live. You've, I've no eight, doubt you've yeah. got a skate park there. Probably a pump track. Oh, mate, I've done. I've done laps of the pump track on my hardtail, like <laughs> like an absolute novice, like you know, an absolute <laughs> novice. But yeah, heck yeah, you know. Uh, but it is a bit of a mecca for well cycling. I think. I don't. I mean, think so. I, anyway, mate, I, I bought three bikes since since moving here. You know, I bought my hardtail because there's the because there's mountains everywhere and and it has been class. I bought the I bought a fixed year bike last summer just so I could pootle into town and go get a coffee and grow a mustache. You know, but... <laughs> <laughs> I did. At least you're not a And yeah, absolutely class based. But what I have found coming from Pembrokeshire with with you guys is. There are so many more people. There's so many more cars, crucially. And I don't know whether or not people are just a little less Pembrokeshire up here. That goes without saying, isn't it? But I've had a few close tours. I've had a few strapes. And crucially, I have seen some absolute... I've seen some people lose some fights with cars on bikes. And, <laughs> you know, the benefit of being on gravel is... Dim cars. You know, when you're in Taniston Woods, all we've got to look out for is Dodd, Lead, Water, other cyclists, all of which are generally lovely things that are very rarely going to try and, you know, hoof you off your bike or give you the finger, you know? It's worth mentioning there, that route that me and Jack do through Caniston is a really nice gravel section which sort of links two roads together and it's a really fast downhill from one end. And at the bottom, there's a tight right-hand corner. And quite often, you'll find someone at the bottom of that. It's quite blind, with a dog, not on a lead. Or a child. And, uh... Or a child. And they're scrambling to get this dog to hand. And we're flying past at about 30 mile an hour. And um, oh, the, the road's probably 10 foot wide. But, so uh, so but... if anything... <laughs> just send Steve down first. No, actually, just... don't, don't send Steve down first. Just Go to add to Steve. that, we both know that it's a Strava segment as well. So that just adds to the fun I, bit. I gotta be honest. Oh I am not. I couldn't tell you the first thing about Strava segments. I'm, I'm, I'm big on recording it. I'm big on recording data, recording rides, seeing what's going on. But I, hand on heart, so in my life, I've never once thought this is a segment. I'm gonna absolutely ban one out here. <laughs> so being, being ex roadies. I think Strava just becomes very ingrained and instilled yeah. within your cycling and segments become a big part of that. So um, at, anyone, at any point of your ride, let's say, you can come across a segment. 
So that's where there'll be a start and an end point within, say, the route you're doing. And there'll yeah. be a timed segment. And certain people will have the fastest uh, com, as it's known, King of the Mountain, for that segment. And there's a big leaderboard with thousands of people in certain roads and segments. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm actually all for it. Like, it, I know we've bashed Strava a little bit just now, and I don't know, there, there are some negatives to come out of it, but it's still interesting, it's still fun, and it gives people the option to do it if they do want to. Well, yeah. it's the closest thing to uh, not a group ride, but when we're all generally doing, you know, solo endeavours at the moment, I can absolutely see how if I knew, you know, Jack had the segment between, you know, pub A on the left and and, and the village sign on, you know, a mile or two down or whatever, I would probably want to think, I I bet I could beat Jack. Exactly. And, oh, yeah. and, and have absolutely. a bit of fun competition, hey? Yeah, we we do it in Balfords, North Ennis. So when, um, you know, one of us might go out to Canston or another gravel route or et cetera like that at the weekend, and then somebody will then mention it on a group chat, like, got a comm today, or I've just knocked you off the comm leaderboard. Um, but there's also there's also a new one, which is I think is going to be around for like six to eight months or so, which is the most efforts on that segment in the last 90 days. Oh, my God. So the, the like, so that's what... Straight away, I'm going to pitch that to uh, David Powers Police, as that is where you find the county's psychopaths. That is where you find like <laughs> or, everyone with an absolute strew loose. Or just the morning commuter, James. <laughs> or the morning commuter. <laughs> well, I've, I, hey, I, I have not, I've not commuted. My commute to work is about eight meters at the moment. So Newport's rubbing off. New James, you look for the worst in everyone. Oh, <laughs> tell me about it. Um. So most number of efforts. So. Yeah, if you want to be the king of Box Hill, you've only got to do it four hundred times in a month. Yeah, yeah, for for that, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's quite because I, I, there's a lane by my house, and um, I, I don't think I'm the, I don't think I've got the most attempts in ninety days anymore. But I did it at one point because through like the lockdown, I was going out with a little man on the back of on the bike, and yeah, just managed to get first for top ninety days. <laughs> so it was great that's, that's pretty funny that's pretty yeah. good James. I, was, I was doing like two miles a day but because that segment was inside it i managed to get top and i can see how that is probably i mean all i've done just then is communicate how unsociable i am like <laughs> in ge- in general and in terms of cycling but i could imagine that if we were part of a club or you know we were serious training partners or whatever that would be very you that that is just an excellent thing especially when you can compare your best effort on that segment this month versus last month versus six months ago or anything like that yeah it's good fun and it's nice having that measurable it does encourage some fraudulent activity as well to be honest well e-bikes i'll be honest i wasn't thinking of e-bikes jack i was thinking about the time where we um I sent you off to the junction ahead and told you to sit on the junction. Oh, that's fair enough, yeah. And whilst I you, piled out of the junction on this downhill section. <laughs> um, the good times. Steve basically turned around to me and said, if there's a car coming, put your hand down. If if your hand is up, I'm allowed to go across the junction. So he was my green light for this junk, this blind junction so I could come flying out of it. Oh, he, there's he, a lot of got, trust there. There's okay. a lot of trust. We did get the com. We did get the com. By yeah. about five seconds. <laughs> I like how this is a we now. It's a joint effort. It was a joint effort. It was a team effort. 
yeah <laughs> fraudulent com activity <laughs> we, won't, we won't name the section it's my only com as well probably I, oh, say, well, I say probably, definitely. That's that's it. Well, surely we can just find uh, Steve and the Steel Frost on a uh, on on Strava and just be like, oh, Phil, wow, where where's his Tom's then? What's uh, and Maybe if there's we, only one on the list, we should start a website, fraudulent comms. Fraudulent comms. <laughs> no, that that streams Facebook page, like the old spotted pages, you know, the oh, anonymous, like, uh, yeah. But what what I love. In in relation to the travel side of things, and you know, beating the toms and things like that, maybe it just shows how petty of a person I am. But if if either of you beat me in a segment, considering I've known about them for about three minutes now, if any of you beat one of the segments that I did on a travel ride, easy response: Are oh, you a better weather? Oh, when I did it, there wasn't a the tree had fallen. I had to bunny up a tree. See, yeah, you know. There's yeah. a lot more variables that you can just say. Uh, it was harder on my day, though, wasn't it? I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a look for you on Strava now, James, and see. <laughs> trying to find the see segments. how you how you uh, how you got on through Caniston. Uh I got, I got not far at all. I, I got to the woods. I got about five minutes up. I got up the hill and then just turned around. Um, got re- really fast going down. And again, the beauty of it is there's. I mean, that big downhill, I don't know how big it is, but, you know, you, you, you get to the start of the woods, you're immediately greeted by an uphill, and I just had to turn around, I had to go home. And it was so confidence-inducing, the fact that I just see top to bottom, cars aren't a thing, there's no pedestrians, there's no waters, there's no nothing, I am going to send it down this hill. And I've got disc brakes, and I know I can stop, and, you know, there's the, the ground's pretty firm and things like that. That's the first time in a while where I thought, ah, you know, 99.9% confidence, this is going to be really fun and and I'm not going to, you know, die, basically. Um, James, I've just gone to your most recent Strava activity. One, it looks very erratic. There's a lot of going up and coming back on yourself. But, uh, (laughs) you know, said fraudulent com. Yep. You're in it and you hit a new personal record down it. Oh, interesting. Oh, my goodness. I'm gonna have to. What? Um, what's the, what's the segment called? D- yeah, go it, on. Ra- it rhymes with blodge. Okay. Oh, I don't know. I'm logging. I'm I'm logging into my Strava now. I don't mean to do this, you know, too live, <laughs> too live in real time. <laughs> 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 what? Um, what? So. Oh, so I've got the splodge. Is PR personal record or correct? So that was your fastest effort down there. Okay. And then if you go on leaderboards and then all oh, time. St- oh, st- <laughs> this, is, this is a new thing for James now. Okay. So this is very interesting. So <laughs> I still don't know where Splodge is. Is uh, it going down to the roundabout to the hand car wash by. Yeah. So it's basically okay. top of Osmerson Road to the bottom onto the roundabout. So not to under or oversell myself, no effort at all involved. I got down it in. I don't see it. See, I've I've moved off already. My personal record on it: two minutes forty-five, and that's uh, almost freewheeling down on a gravel bike in pretty horrible conditions. Two minutes forty-five is my best, Steve. You did that segment in one minute 
and 41 <laughs> seconds and you are the top you are the top person for that for that Java segment the chance of you dying on that day is greater than 10% <laughs> No, because I, I had Jack on the ju- junction. My, my trusty, trusty yeah. arm signal. But exactly if, that. Mate, if you've, got, if you've got Fast and Furious, you know, Nissan GTR, not, not giving two, two, two alerts about, you know, cyclists, could have absolutely just hoofed it past Jack and just had a, had a Steve Frost pancake on that one. Ah, but well. Well, a, well done. That's, that's just the risk you take, you know, with cycling. Well, in fairness, you know, you're there at 1 minute 41, then there's 146, 147. So, you know, two or three other people have thought, oh, I'll give this one a go today. They must have taken some risks as well. Yeah, well, Pete, Pete, I work with Pete in Balfords, so he's our mechanic. And uh, he's just a machine. He's a strong yeah. cyclist, yeah. He's a very strong cyclist. What's he done oh, in? 147. Oh, okay. That's without somebody standing on the edge as well. Yeah, so that's a solid effort. <laughs> oh that's a bit of fun hey maybe maybe we can re- re- I'll, I'll report back in a few weeks time I'll, I'll have a little look for some segments around by me do you'll be obsessed now james you know don't you yeah well com hunter oh goodness <laughs> you change your instagram name to com hunter <laughs> com, com blaster mate <laughs> <laughs> oh dude all right well that that's uh that's that's a fair amount about about that side of things. Any particular rides of the week? Uh, nominate you, Steve. What what has been the big old big old long boy that you've been on this week? Uh, not terribly long. Went on for well, went for a thirty-two miler back on Tuesday. I think I got a week off. Thank you, Easter. Um, so yeah, I yeah basically went from Milford Haven to Pembroke Dock to Keiru and Caniston Woods. Have to ask them back to Milford. But yeah, it was about a, 32 miles. Mate, that... I, I think in any stretch, that is a strong bike ride. Yeah, on a gravel bike. It wasn't... Most of it was road, to be fair. There wasn't that much gravel. A lot of it was cycle path, which is quite nice. And obviously the gravel section from Caniston to Have to Rest. Is, is the highlight of that loop the Caniston Woods? Um, I'll be honest, the cycle from Pembroke to Keiru is nice. It's fairly flat. It's pretty fast. It's all on cycle path. Um, so no, that's, that's, that's quite a nice section. Mm. It, yeah. In terms of gravel cycling though, yeah. Caniston back to town is the best bit of that. Definitely. I mean, I always see flat sections or flat section cycles as a good thing, because in Pembroke we don't get enough of that. There's just hills everywhere. Like if I leave the house here now, I've just got hills wherever I go. Which I don't hate, yeah. but sometimes it is nice to have a nice flat cycle. We don't get enough of it. No, no one has ever said I'm just going to have a really easy hilly ride today. It just doesn't exist. <laughs> I say it's, it, it is. It is not a thing to be honest. And like with Pembrokeshire, obviously we've got a lot of nice beaches, just a lot of coastal, which is nice. It's, it's great. But to get into each of those coastal areas, there's a downhill and then a very strong uphill. And they're not just like slight hills, they're oh. pretty strong in, in all of them. I mean, Broadhaven, Newgale, Solver, Knowlton, like they're all strong hills, however yeah. direction you go at them. D- cannot, cannot agree. 
cannot agree strongly enough. Having cycled up and down the Newdale Hill, it's 30 times by now at least. I tell you what, that that, that is the hill if I lived in Pembrokeshire that I would possibly be there. The most frequent uh, frequent <laughs> flyer award on that one. It's good training. And, oh, such a drooler, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's long I, as well. I don't know how to describe it. Do you, I'll, I'll I'll take a look on Strava and uh, and and give you a bit of a, a a rundown on it next time. But it's one of the most grueling hills in Pembrokeshire, e- easily. Yeah. Uh, but you know you're you're one and done in about eight minutes on it. You know you're either at the top of the hill within eight minutes, or you know you're you're lying in the road. To be honest, yeah, it's a bit of a stinker. And with, I mean, I don't mean to be too. Um, optimistic but with covid restrictions possibly 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 reducing in the near future bear in mind we're, we're in wales it's it's different on this side of the bridge it's different in england it's different in scotland northern ireland and all that we were looking at the brother in the wild event yeah yeah so there's i know nothing about it tell me about it I, I, and I literally know nothing about it. I, you, you, you sent it me today, and this is the first I've clicked on it, to be honest. There's a, there's a couple of dates inside the UK. So, and what I've seen is one in Shropshire and there's one in Dorset. Um, a couple of guys from work went to the one in Dorset two years back, um, and they said it was a really good weekend. So, it's like you do one day camp overnight, and then you've got a second day then. Um, the one in Shropshire, which is now is sold out. Um, same thing, 55k one day camping, then 75k the next day. Um, looks really good. Looks very, very good. Um, Some nice distances there without yeah. being too much. Still enjoyable. Um, it's, it's, it's weird because it's nice to see something that's not too far away from where we are now. Um, yeah. quite, quite a lot of the events, especially for, for gravel cycling, is... It is is down south, um, but it's it's nice to see something that's not too not too far away. Mm. Definitely, I think in terms of effort as well, like a lot of the gravel stuff events that I've seen have been quite long distance, and to like an entry level gravel cyclist it might be a little bit off putting. But it's nice to see some <laughs> of these events putting on, like you said, fifty five k, seventy five k. I mean that's not too far really, so it's a bit more accessible. Um, and it just it sounds lovely yeah. you know assuming yeah. that it's not i mean i know i know we can't control the weather and it might pelt it down for both days but assuming it's pretty dry that sounds like a lovely weekend where you're on a predefined route everyone's in it together yeah 30k is what you'll do that in two hours two and a bit hours you know three hours if you want to really take it chill yeah i mean oh, yeah. yeah something like that not too bad at all i think i think the biggest thing for me is it, like I said, it's a it's a leisurely thing as well and there's lots of other people doing it at the same time so it's going to feel even more yeah. chilled out than what a normal gravel ride feels like um the biggest thing for me that puts me off it is the camp inside i hate camping uh, <laughs> i hate camping so much hey well i'm sure there's a but, i'm sure there's an airbnb nearby yeah. if you're a, if, if you're dead set on it I think they're going to release the commute routes of the route on commute, should I say? Yeah. Um, it's something, it's another thing that we can add to the bank to say, yeah, let's go and do this. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and unfortunately we're going to have to add that 
to yeah. the 2022 bank, isn't it? Because it's all. Do we know it's sold out, or is it almost certainly sold out? Uh, I shall confirm. I that. think. I, I think in between, you know, you sending me the link and me not, me not, me not clicking on it like an absolute dick. The follow follow message like an hour or two later was sold out. You know, yeah. but albeit that is from someone telling you. So it is, it be... is officially. Please note this event is now sold out. Sorry if you missed out on tickets. Uh, don't, and, and we actually had uh, two people message us on Instagram to let us know as well. Probably worth mention mentioning. Hey. Uh, so we had Jack and Mike, two people that let us know. Thanks. Fine. And. Final thing, not not necessarily the final thing, but can we just clarify and emphasize how sick it is to have and run a gravel related Instagram page? I appreciate we love Toffee as well, and and there's heaps of stuff for Toffee, and 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 we need to build that into you know whatever we're producing where possible. But how cool has it been? Do, surely we've had the, the Instagram page for like five six weeks now or has it been less um i think it was the end of february we started it so not too long but it's grown really well um 24th of february first post we put up 24th of february and as of as of today which is the 8th of april we're uh i've not done it in front of me are we about are we approaching 1200 followers uh 11:30, mate that's so that's so sick and i love like I, I'm just, I get so excited because like, it, it it is designed to be an echo chamber, you know, like we, the the page is called plug at underscore, no, at gravel underscore grind. But so people are coming to the Instagram page for gravel related content, but everyone who interacts with it, everyone who tags us in stuff, everyone who, you know, we follow back and things like that. It's just like a big mecca of gravel related cycling. And I have not seen a bad post. I've not had a bad experience yet. It'll come, I'm sure. But the first 1130 odd people that have followed us have all been absolute. It's been a really cool introductory start to whatever it is that we're doing. Yeah, we do read every single message we receive as well. And we do appreciate the interaction. So feel free to get in touch. Feel free to get in get in touch. And and to be honest, um, yeah, feel feel free to get in touch. I'm in Newport, South Wales, and I'm I'm I mean, I'm not here on my own, is it, isn't it? But um I'm not from Newport. So if anyone is on this side of the bridge or in Bristol, just just hook well, give me a shout anyway, because I'm exploring routes uh, all the time, all the time, to be honest. Um, the final quick thing that I wanted to get both off my chest and sort of welcome your feedback on, and you sort of accidentally touched on it earlier, to be honest. Brother in the Wild, what a lovely sounding name, you know, but like all the connotations of that name of an event is generally positive, isn't it? Do you know what event I've signed up for in two weekends' time? Uh, was oh, it dear. Day in Hell with Rafa in Bristol? <laughs> How nice does that sound? At least I it's honest. I I te- well, I mean, come on now. Like, they're not underselling it, I don't think. Go on, you know, tell and, us about and it. If, and, so obviously I say to Joe, like, oh, Joe, my partner now. Um, 
I've said, you know, I've signed up for a, I've signed up for a thing. Uh, it might not be on, you know, COVID and all of that, but sign up for an event. A day in hell, twenty twenty one, class. <laughs> Mahusive lap of the woodland to an, to the to the east of Bristol, seventy one miles total. Two thousand eight hundred and sixty three feet of climbing with an average gradient of 7.3%. So Sounds fun. And that... I'll probably do it. <laughs> you know. We're, you've said, you've uh, said now on the podcast, so... You kind of have I've said it. now, Committed. and I'm going to hold myself accountable. Right, that's it. But why could it not be Brother in the Wild? Why could it not be... Have a, have, have, have a great gravel day a great day in gravel 2021 this is a you know? nice gravel route <laughs> it's too obvious fun, too easy. fun time almost guaranteed <laughs> but I'll, I'll i'll report back on that to be honest because um i don't know about you guys but i just need i need a fire i need like a literal fire lit under me for me to do anything no it's nice to have something to aim for I mean, personally for me, I know we've mentioned it a lot, but I'm looking forward to doing King Alfred's Way. Um, nice four-dayer. But I do feel like I'll need to improve my fitness cycle, uh, slightly to do it. So I, I am feeling pretty unfit at the moment. But that, that's exciting. That's that's my fire, if I'm honest. Yeah, Jack, and, would you and, agree? Yeah, John. Yeah, same. Something of that, of, uh, of that nature, definitely. I think mine's... It sounds basic. Cycle to work, a commute. Yeah, like Fair. that. Just something simple, something that's achievable for me. Until it rains, and, and especially especially with the fair weather coming in, you know yeah. that is going to be that's going to be pretty nice, to be honest, isn't it? It's it's literally one point eight miles. <laughs> oh my god, oh, Jack, do you can do that? Do that now, mate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean the one the one thing that I'm jealous of with Joe is um she can drive she can cycle, sorry, to, to her work, you know, any day that it's not raining horizontally or snowing. And there is a serious benefit to her well being every time she does it. You know, there are days where she's got a you know, she she's gotta go off site or anything and she's gotta drive, obviously, but the days that she cycles is is the days where she's had, you know, the best day usually. Yeah. And, you know, for all the for all the positivity in the world, I am not going to get up and do a half-hour cycle before I start work. I know I should, I know I could, I know all those things. But, you know, to have the opportunity to commute to work, really, really good thing to do. You know, I can only, I can only endorse that sort of thing, to be honest. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I think if if I had the motivation to do it, I just I just like sleep, and I don't like getting up in the morning. That's my biggest <laughs> thing. And and having a baby as well also puts that into perspective. I will say, yeah, that that is the automatic <laughs> get out of jail free card, isn't it? Is got a little kid, got a yeah. kiddo. But as far as I see it. Uh, conveniently and almost coincidentally we've just breached the one hour mark to be honest and not to run podcasts like uh, any other 
horrendous meetings uh, that that go on between the hours of nine to five. Um, I think we've effectively covered most of the points that should have, would have, or, or or could have been raised. To be honest, um, Jack, how has your first time recording your podcast been in terms of uh, yeah, what what what's it been like for you? Very different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's right. It's good. Fair play. It's nice to have a conversation about cycling. Like, That's it, isn't it? Exactly that. Just yeah. like just have a, a genuine conversation about like not a lot of people will understand what we say. Um about in terms of the cycling jargon, etc. like that. So it's just nice to talk to two other people and you know, eleven hundred other people uh about what we enjoy. So um no, it's good. Really enjoy it. Exactly that. that. That's yeah. It'll be I nice loved... when we get to the point as well where we will have other people on the podcast. Um, just people from Instagram, like just talking about their local area, what they like to cycle, etc. Oh, That'd be good. Se- yeah, you know, like sell, I mean, not, not to start pitching segments on the podcast as we wrap things up, but, you know, sp- sell us your local area. You know, why should we, I mean, it, it's very likely they don't flip and want us to come to their local area, let's be fair, but, you know, why why should we come to Shropshire? And yeah, it, it'd be cool to hear more about it because I don't know about you guys, but I've got a roof rack and a and a, and a bike bar and a and a desire to flip in get out of get out of Newport as soon as possible. So exactly yeah, that, yeah. Learning more about that sort of stuff is gonna be so sick in the in the future. I'd like to know more about Yorkshire cycling as well because they seem to have it really good up there. Really yes. good. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, God, the the final stereotypical thing I'll say though is that I think that's mainly because they're just very optimistic people. <laughs> I have not well, met a, I I haven't met a pessimist from Yorkshire. Well, this is why we need to get them on the podcast so we can talk about it, <laughs> sell it to there us. Is, I'm sure there's a guy called the Yorkshire Cyclist, isn't there? Oh, we've got oh de- well, we, we've got if, a few. But, if, what, if, uh, what's the name of that famous? Is it called the Three Peaks Race in Yorkshire? And that's okay. where you do, it's like a CX style because some bits you have to get off the bike and run uphill. Uh, same again, Lachlan Morton did it. And that was that seemed good. It looked tough. It looked difficult. And <laughs> it was a very local race. Like the locals won it sort of thing. Like even Lachlan Morton, who's world-class rider, couldn't beat them, which I thought was interesting and well, impressive. Impressive for the local riders, definitely. Uh, strong agree and maybe that can be a final the final call to action then is uh if you are from yorkshire and you love a bit of gravel cycling and want to be our first the first guest on our podcast yeah it doesn't need to be next episode it doesn't need to be next you know today next week next month but drop us a like drop us a message on instagram and um we'll say hello to be honest and goodness we might we might even come see you when uh when when everything relaxes a little bit but um, aside from that, cracking episode number three, Jack, thank you so much for joining us. Steve, it's usual running for you and I, isn't it? So um, yeah. I have nothing further to add other than thank you so much for listening to episode number three. And we'll see you in the next one. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.